I have patiently waited for this all to end, and now I'm going to tell you exactly why. Auburn isn't what they say. Auburn isn't what they think they are, and Ole Miss is absolutely the better program. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis. Also, thank you for making the Locked On Post uh, Ole Miss Podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. All right, today's show, we're not even going to mess around. We're not going to fool around with anything. We're going to tell you exactly why. We went back, if you go back to October, I have a show up there that has been cut and sent to me numerous times by people trying to show receipts and just say I told you so about the Lane Kiffin situation to where I was talking about how Ole Miss is a better job than Auburn and that Auburn does not have the right to have anything that Ole Miss has. Well, they don't. And here is the proof. This is the final data data point. This is all you need to know. Ole Miss's head coach said thanks, but no thanks. Kick rocks. Then Auburn panicked, and the desperation rose up from what they were doing, and they hired a coach that Ole Miss, or an Ole Miss retread, honestly, you could say. And Ole Miss retread is now the head coach at Auburn. And... That data point right there should tell you everything that you need to know. Now, Auburn fans are going to come up and say, hey, what about 2010? What about 2013? And they're going to get very meek because everything that they want to talk about as a sincere thing is a decade old. And it's getting older and older by the day. This isn't 1998 anymore when you had a better program than Ole Miss. I I will honestly say that. In 1998, you were absolutely better. In 1985, you were absolutely better. Good job for that, Auburn. In 2022, you are not. Ole Miss has the facilities, the fan base, the money, everything is at the top level and is honestly outperforming Auburn at this point. Now, if you want to talk about Jordan-Hare Stadium has 80,000 people, I counter with that doesn't matter at all. With everything being on TV, Ole Miss's 65,000-seat stadium is well enough, and they were over capacity for the whole season this year. They are in a position to absolutely take off. Now, I told you yesterday about why this whole decision is important and why Ole Miss fans should love this. And it doesn't matter if Lane Kiffin leaves after next year or whenever he does eventually leave. Until he does, he hates to lose, which means your marketing, um, your NIL, everything is going to be top tier and it's going to be grown out. And the little bit of gap that exists now between Ole Miss and Auburn is going to expand. Now, Auburn is a desperate program right now. Like I said, I don't mean that as an insult. They are a desperate program right now. They were like Ole Miss. If Ole Miss would have been this desperate in 1973 or 1974, perhaps they wouldn't have gone through what they went through in the 80s. But Auburn is trying desperately not to become 2008 Tennessee. That that is their whole goal right now. It's not an insult. It's just the truth. But they are on the precipice of doing that. And when I say 2007 Tennessee, Tennessee and Vandy are a 6-5 record in the last 11 years. That, That happened since 2011. And Auburn is trying not to go down that road. And... 
what used to be a top six. Everybody talks about the SEC six, and it was after the conference that won the league and everything in football does that. All the decisions, everything is based towards them. This was the club, the six team. The reality is, in the last five years, that six became a two. Tennessee fell off. Auburn has fallen off. Um, LSU has the best chance to get back into that club, but they're not really there yet. And Florida has to work to get back to that level as well. But that's the club. That's the club that everybody wants you to perceive to be a thing. Right now, that club doesn't exist. You have a top two of Alabama and Georgia. That's the club at the moment. Then you have 12 teams that are all rich and have all the things. And as a program, little things matter. And right now you can get all of that in Oxford, Mississippi, and not necessarily on the points. And that is, I think, three coaches in like four or five years. I mean, that happened for a reason, and it's not by accident. Now, Auburn might have potential to be really good. But there's a point where it just isn't happening. So easy to win there. So easy to do things there. Well, then why don't you? Why doesn't you? Why don't you beat Alabama more than you do? Why don't you beat Georgia more than you do? Why don't you recruit better? Why are you now a basketball school because of how poorly football is going? Why, if you are so great? Now it's a self-image thing. I get it. In the world, I want to think of anything the way that Auburn thinks about themselves. But it's a situation where Ole Miss fans should be enjoying this. And they should be enjoying all of this. Because this is all W's for Ole Miss football right now. And you've got receipts and everybody's going back and forth. And at the end of the day, Auburn's not going to win this one. Only way Auburn is going to be able to step back up and become even more relevant than Ole Miss is to win football games. And at this point, I'm not 100% sure they can do that. They haven't proven it over the last few years. They have to go out in the portal and get a quarterback. And and because, until they win games, until their destination is not the Birmingham Bowl or worse, it's one of those things, quit talking. Quit saying what you're going to do and actually do it. Until then, you, like I said, you got turned down, left at the altar by a coach that you desperately wanted and wanted to pay $12 million a year for, and then hired an Ole Miss retread that was let go. That, that is the last data point. Now, Hugh's going to do a fantastic job there. He's a great fit for Auburn. I think he has a chance to win games, has a chance to be really good, but he hasn't yet. And you don't know what is going to come. You never know when a Freedom of Information Act is going to come out with him. And it, it, you just don't know because the roller coaster that Ole Miss rode the last three weeks over Lane Kiffin when you guys tried to overpay um, $12 million a year, there's another roller coaster that has to be ridden with Hugh Freeze. And that one is actually a real thing. So enjoy that. You might beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl. And then you might lose to Louisiana Monroe. That's the Hugh Freeze experience. 
They beat Arkansas this year. They lost to UConn the next week. So understand that. I can help you guys out when it comes to how you're going to deal with the Hugh Freeze experience moving forward. But anyway, best of luck to you. I mean, I talk to you at this point as a peer at best, not in any way above the Ole Miss football program. But if you have any questions on how to run a successful program, I'm here to help you guys out. Anyway, BetOnline.net sponsors today's show. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Grit all of your greatest, latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We got it at BetOnline.net. With the World Cup coming on, U.S. and Netherlands, round of 16, Saturday morning. Get that bet in as well. They are the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. It's BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. All right, in the first segment, we talked a little bit about basically a rewind over the last three weeks and why Ole Miss fans should really be enjoying this, and it should be a lot of fun. Anyway, I, I do feel bad for Auburn fans, but yes, the last three weeks, you kind of deserve what you get. This segment, we want to talk a little bit about bold destinations for Ole Miss. And I've been going, trying to figure out what's going on. And honestly, the short answer is I don't know. Um, there's been people that have said everywhere from the Reliable Quest Bowl in Tampa, which is possible, all the way down to the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, which I said in our space the other night, the Liberty Bowl does not want Ole Miss because Ole Miss people aren't going to buy hotel rooms. They want somebody from out of town. Music City Bowl, maybe it's a little bit further away, and maybe Ole Miss might get hotel rooms, but it's still kind of close to Oxford. So we'll see exactly how it does. But someplace like the Duke's Mayo Bowl or the Gator Bowl or the ReliaQuest Bowl, where Ole Miss fans are forced to travel, maybe even the um, Texas Bowl in Houston, that, that feels like more of a chance to me. Las Vegas Bowl, that's the other one. So that's five bowl games that I would consider Ole Miss has a better chance than the seven. Now, Ole Miss can end up in the Music City Bowl against Minnesota. Rowing the boat the whole nine yards, we'll see what happens there. Or they could end up in the Liberty Bowl. And and I think that's just a geographic thing of being close to the area where Ole Miss fans are. They're like, okay, let's send Ole Miss there. And in 1989 and 1992, they were all about the Ole Miss in the Liberty Bowl because, honestly, where Ole Miss was in the 80s, in the early 80s, and getting back and be kind of becoming relevant as it was. So I'm not looking so much for the Liberty Bowl, and I hear all the time people talk about the Music City Bowl. I want to hear what they have to say, and we will find out more after the championship games and into Monday. We're all going to worry about that and try and figure out what's going on. Right now, I'm trying to think of what would be the best fit. Now, Duke's Mayo against the ACC make a ton of sense. They'd probably play against somebody like 
North NC State or somebody like that in that bowl game. North Carolina, I think, might be in that bowl game. Um, so Phil Longo against Ole Miss, that that would be interesting, I think. Gene Chizik, who's been breaking down the Ole Miss offense for two years, um, now coaching defense against the Ole Miss offense, I and mean, that could be interesting. Um, the Gator Bowl against somebody like Notre Dame is a possibility. Now, that would be a fun matchup. That would be the matchup. Um, Relia Quest against Illinois, that'd be a good matchup. Illinois has a really good defense, and – you know, you know how Bert is. We've all seen the Bert um, Bielema experience. I know it's Brett, but it should be interesting, you know. And you look at it, the Texas Bowl, that's a Big 12 game. So that might be against Oklahoma or against Oklahoma State or against Baylor. That's kind of the level that's looking at going there. Um, I don't think they'd play Baylor because it would be a rematch of last year's Sugar Bowl, but, I mean, we'll see. So all of these games are interesting, and the matchups, I think, are actually fairly interesting as well. You've seen players that have hopped into the transfer portal already. Um, Damon Clowney, Luke Altmaier is to be expected. Um, several players popped in. I think um, a cornerback hopped in yesterday. And... That's to be expected. The portal window opens up on the 5th. So if you can get a head start, you can get your spot. I mean, honestly, take it. I think it was Derek Bermudez that hopped into the portal. And like I said, this is going to lead into a bowl game. Hopefully not the Las Vegas Bowl. The more I think about it, I hate that date. I just hate that December 17th date of the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh but against a Pac-12 team where you're playing against UCLA or Oregon State, I mean, it could be interesting as an inter-regional matchup. And it could be a lot of fun. So we'll see exactly how that goes. But the thing is, with both destinations, it's all on the table. There's several matchups that are intriguing, and we're going to pay attention to that over the next few days. All right, when we come back, we will have Tim Thomas talking almost hoops, their tournament down in Orlando, um, and moving forward when Deshaun Ruffin um, gets back in the lineup, potentially this weekend against Memphis. We'll see exactly if he plays or not, but we'll be on the on high alert for that. So anyway, stick around. We'll be right back. All right, thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, and of course, comment down below um, or upvote the video itself. I'm here with Tim Thomas. We're going to talk a little basketball. We got some stuff going on. Tim, I watched the Orlando tournament every second of every game, um, expecting... Honestly, something different than what I saw. I saw a very good player in Miles Burns. He's my favorite Ole Miss player that I've seen in 20 years. And um, Amari Abram has stepped up and become a scorer for this team. And what were your impressions from that tournament? Kind of like you. I was a little surprised, but so glad to see it. I knew they had potential. I, I keep an eye on the recruits and I keep an eye on the portal transfers and you like you said before you never know some of them are hits or misses and all those guys started from where they came from and a couple guys inside theo uh the kube and uh, the other fella in there that, that they all started i mean they were great players where they came from 
Yas Mumbala from uh, Buffalo, uh, Akube, he was from Louisiana. But those guys started, and they averaged 10 or 12 points and 10 rebounds. But like you said, Amari Abram really came through realizing, I guess they listened to us last week, they uh, saw that there was, a, there was a void there. There was an issue with the uh, points offense. And uh, Mar Abram, I think to everybody's surprise, including Kermit, really stepped up. And the Caldwell kid played well. McKinnis played good inside. I was really surprised. The defense is always going to be there. Issue with Morrell. Uh, I'm not sure. I know he's not used to that kind of defense. I know that he's going to have to get used to it because he's going to have to score like we talked about. But overall, I think they were happy. There was a little spell, like you said, that just couldn't quite get enough points and and uh, just a lull there. That, 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 was in, that was the game. Yeah, and, and I like to say over and over to people is like whenever you watch a game and you're like, why did this happen? What reason did this happen? Ole Miss just lost a basketball game. It wasn't anything systemic that was going on. They just lost a basketball game against Oklahoma. Yeah, if Merle, Merle, I'm sorry, had got his 20, we'd have won easily. But he was really defended. Oklahoma's known for their defense. Uh, the, the coach there is really known for it. And uh, he, he just couldn't quite get enough. I tell you, the two freshmen tried to pull it out by themselves. It was really – I was kind of worried. You know, Miles didn't play as well as he had been. Uh, Robert Allen inside didn't really juice the team up, and he didn't make things happen. Uh, it was a couple of things there that just couldn't make it. Morrell not hitting, it uh, it all kind of added up right at the end. We just couldn't finish it up. Okay, and you're the perfect person for this, and I'm going to put you on the spot for a second, so I apologize for this. You're but sorry. I was trying to describe to people what I think Miles Burns is, and you know that I'm a Jason I'm, I'm a Jason Smith comparison guy with Miles Burns. And somebody got in my Twitter timeline the other week and compared him to Elston Turner. Now that is before my time, but that is a comp- comparison that you would know all about if it's true. Is, yeah, what do you I see with there? Him three years, he was an awesome defensive player. That's how he got to play pro. He went to Dallas Mavericks, and he's still actually coaching in NBA. Uh, all the way back from, I guess he graduated in 81. I graduated in 82. But he was a great uh, defensive player. That's why. That's the reason, like you said, that's the reason he got there. He could score. Uh, I set plenty of picks for him to get him open. He's told me that a few times. And that's what I did for Carlos Clark and John Stroud. I played in that era there, 79 through 82. But uh, Elson was one of those defensive guys, kind of like Miles Burns, that just made things happen tipped the ball, made a steal at a proper time that really made a jam and really uh, sparked the crowd and, and juiced the team up. Yeah, and, and, and like I said, that's a little bit before my time, but even if you go back to the Jason Smith, I think a player like Jason Smith and Miles Burns, players like that's important for a basketball team because it controls the energy. So many things can happen. All of a sudden, momentum shifts. I'm sure Elston provided that back in your time. Jason Smith provided that back with Rob Evans, and now Miles Burns is kind of tasked with doing that now, right? Yeah, he, he needs to. That, that's that's what he's out there for. He's not a tremendous three-point shooter. I thought he might be a little better, but he hasn't so far. Maybe he will later on, but he hasn't really hit the three. They, they need more th- three-point shooters, as you saw uh, Caldwell and uh, Abram and then Morrell. Hopefully he'll come through. They, they get three of them, have two of them out there at the one time, and then hopefully they'll get some work at the inside. McKinnis is decent inside, but he's not really offensive proficient at this time. Uh, Kube plays pretty good. Uh, 
Robert Allen comes in and does his thing. Uh, Mabala, I think he's really going to come around. He was hurt all summer. Uh, a guy, I'll just bring this up, James White. No one has mentioned him. During the Bahamas uh, summer trip, he averaged 20 points a game during the three games. He's really struggled defensive-wise. That's why he's not playing. But he, he can really score, and I think they'll use him more in the future. Yeah, and before we move on, when I watched that Oklahoma Ole Miss game, both offenses, it was like going to the dentist playing against those defenses. It, 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 to me, that's the kind of basketball I enjoy watching. But, it, I mean, it was so hard for the offensive teams. Yeah, uh, I thought we had it there. As you, you said something about the other day, we were hit like five or something, with like a minute or so left, seemed like. And then all of a sudden we just couldn't score, couldn't score. Morrell, just just be truthful, he missed like three shots that he normally hits. If he'd have hit the, those shots, we'd have won, no doubt. It was, it was that close, the game. But he didn't. But hopefully he learned something, and hopefully the other guys will come around in our offensive – We'll keep getting better, but as long as we got that defense, as I keep talking about, we're going to be in every game. Yeah, and if Ole Miss had beaten Oklahoma, they would have probably been ranked on Tuesday. Joe Lenardi's bracketology, Ole Miss is in it. Now, granted, it's a November bracketology, so it's about as far from meaningful as it can get at this point, but it's still pretty cool to be mentioned at this point of the season, don't you think, Tom? Yeah, he – Joe has been known for doing this years and years and years. I think it's pretty much all he does for ESPN now. And he starts this, like you said, first of the year. He even does it during the summer. So it's hard to know. But it's good to know because I don't believe Ole Miss is, you know, since uh, Kermit's first year, Ole Miss has not been in this bracketology, even as uh, the last or the last one in, the last one out. He, they're now the first one, uh, the last uh, first ones in. I think them in uh, North Carolina right there, North Carolina State are right there together, uh, Actually, that's who Jarkel Joyner plays for now in North Carolina State. But he, it, uh, it, it's cool to talk about, like you said. It's a long way to go, but it's, it's, it's kind of a goal incentive for the kids to see that and say, hey, hey, they, somebody's looking at us. Someone's paying attention to us, and, and uh, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I, I do as well. Now, this basketball team has been pretty good this season, and this is without their best player. Deshaun Ruffin is their best player, and they're kind of easing him along slowly. And the fact that they're playing so well means they can ease him along a little slower than before. But we got about three weeks, four weeks until SEC play. When this airs, it'll be four weeks exactly until Ole Miss versus Tennessee. So at what point do you think they're going to – bring Ruffin back, what can we expect over the next couple of weeks? According to Kermit on the Rebel Yale hotline, uh, I think I believe it was Monday night, spoke about this. He went through a day-by-day, the rehab, how they doing one-on-one in practice and this and that. And his plans are if things go well, today's Wednesday, so if things go well, he's thinking he's going to play. Now, how successful this will be, him not getting on the floor and really being able to run and his win and and the legs and all and, and a little scared I guess you know the injury and so so it's going to be I think Kermit's going to take it really slow and that's the proper thing to do and I, but I think uh, it kind of happened last year he had a couple of injuries but I believe he won't be long where he'll be making a difference and they need him really bad. Yeah, if you look at last year's team, it was his injury at the beginning of the season. I believe it was a hand. They kind of completely derailed them. And in the tournament last year, they lost to Marquette. 
they beat a team like Winthrop or something like that, and then they lost against Boise State, and that kind of set the table for what was coming that season. Well, he's injured at the beginning of the season. Of course, he's been recovering from an ACL, but Ole Miss beat Stanford. They beat Siena. They take Oklahoma to the wire in the champion. It, no matter what happens, I think this is a better basketball team. I'm not guaranteeing they're going to win 10 games or something in the SEC, but I think this team is better than they were last year. Don't you think, Tom? Tim? Yeah, that's okay. I understand. Um, yeah. No problem. They are much better. We'll see another good test uh, this Saturday against Memphis. Uh, Penny Hardaway's the coach. They got a really good player, Kendrick Davis. He, he was the player of the year for the AAC. Uh, he's really good as a Lomax guard. It's really good. So we'll see how, how we do against them. If we can stay with them up there at the FedEx Center, we can stay with them and, and, and maybe pull off a win. And then we got, uh, I think, Valpo next and uh, North Alabama, a couple other teams before we play uh, Tennessee at the end of the month. So I, I feel good about it. I, I was impressed. And if they can keep the defense flowing and, and Ruffin comes back and just slowly gets better, and some of the guys inside uh, do their part and get a few points here and there, and Robert Allen and Miles Burns, uh, I feel good about this team. Yeah, it, it's a situation to where if they um, get past Memphis, that that appears to be the next roadblock, there's a chance they're going into Tennessee with one loss, right? There is that possibility. I would like to see that. I'm sure Kermit would love to see that. Yeah. I don't think he expected to do this well at this point in that tournament. I think we was surprised at the time we all were without roughing you know, who was going to step up? Where's the points coming from? You know, we're, we're challenged. Who, who is it? And and uh, we found out pretty quick. The kid, uh, Mari Abram, he just stepped up. He, he got a beautiful shot. I mean, really <laughs> impressive. And he's so cool. His face never changes his expression, whether he hits it or not. And he just takes it right at you. He's really impressive. He was a four-star from Texas. Really, really good player. Very impressive. And, and Caldwell, he came in some and, and did well. Kermit mentioned that uh, – Abram, uh, the second game after he scored 26 points, the first half he was kind of having trouble and things wasn't getting going his way. And but he, after a little talk with Kermit at halftime, he came back at the second half and just lit it up again. So that's that's very impressive for a freshman. You just don't see that, you know. You just don't. Junkins, uh, you don't see freshmen uh, doing as well, and he, he's got the potential to do that if he'll keep it up. All right, before I let you out of here, Tim, uh, how how would you when Ruffin comes back? Because him and Amari Abram, they're kind of playing in the same spot at the moment. How would you handle the starting lineup when Ruffin comes back 100%? I say Abram's got to be in the lineup. I know Ruffin needs to be in the lineup too. He'll, he's a great shooter. I, th- I think it's going to be a perfect match. He can be the two guard, shooting guard, and hopefully he can sit there and drill it. And you got Morrell on the other side on the wing. So you got. Ruffin coming down the middle. If they take him, he can dish it off to one or the other. And uh, and if they don't take him, he'll take it to the hole and he'll put it in. It it ain't no doubt. He takes it to the hole hard, and they can't keep up with him. He's just a small little jitterbug. You can't keep up with him. He's a great player, and he has NBA uh, potential, no doubt. Yeah, unbelievable. Ole Miss plays Memphis. Um, Saturday, um, I'm sure it's going to be televised on, on something, so you'll be able to see it but I'm not sure what the Conference USA or American um, TV deal is with because if it's at the FedEx Forum, um, it will be theirs. 
But anyway, thank you, Tim, so much for stopping by, and thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports Today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights. Only Locked On can provide. It's Locked On Sports Today. It's available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Tim Thomas, Ole Miss basketball. I'm going to say legend because you were on my show and I can say whatever I want to say. Thank you very much for stopping by, and I look forward to talking to you next week, man. Thank you. Enjoy it. Hotty toddy. Hotty toddy.